You're listening to the Stag Sports Network Podcast, only on FairfieldStags.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stag Sports Network Podcast Special. I'm JJ Duke. Hope that you all have been enjoying the fall sports season coverage so far here on the Stag Sports Network. Games have been happening left, right, and center since we've started. It's probably just a little over a month ago since we kicked off, and we've hardly had any time to catch our collective breath. But thankfully, it's for all the right reasons. But today, we're actually going to be stepping away from the action on the fields to bring you a special show. It's coming up here on Saturday, October the 2nd, when Fairfield men's soccer hosts Niagara University over at Lessing Field. We truly hope that you guys can all join us for Matt Turner night as we'll be welcoming back and celebrating the achievements of Matt, who is a Fairfield men's soccer alum, a current starting goalie for both the MLS Supporter Shield leading New England Revolution, as well as the U.S. men's national team. And Tickets for Matt Turner night and the game as well on October 2nd are on sale now at fairfieldstags.com slash TIX with kickoff set for 7 p.m. that night. After that match, all youth fans in attendance will receive a free Matt Turner Fairfield soccer poster, which can be signed by Matt during a autograph session after the match. For more information, you can head over to fairfieldstags.com, but I'm delighted to be joined for this special show by the man of the hour himself, Matt Turner here in the Stag Sports Network. Uh, Matt, we genuinely appreciate you taking some time out of your very busy schedule to chat with us. How have things been going? I know we were chatting before uh, we started recording, but it seems like life's been pretty good yeah yeah first of all thanks for having me on and i'm really looking forward to this weekend and get back to fairfield uh, it's been a long time so I'm, I'm really excited for that and secondly yeah it's been a uh it's been a pretty great 2021 for me that's no secret um and and hopefully you know just continue to reach new heights as the season comes to a close now, coming back to Fairfield, we'll get a little bit into your 2021 in just a moment, but um, what are your feelings like coming back to campus? We were talking before, and this has been the first time in a while since you've been back. So what are you hoping to get out of the day? I think just the, the biggest thing for me is the, the tangibility like that I didn't have while I was at Fairfield, where there wasn't a clear pathway for me that I felt like I could go from Fairfield to become a professional soccer player. So to be able to come back, uh, talk to some of the players, um, if anybody had, I, I have like an open door policy essentially with all the Fairfield players that have come through the program, anybody who ever reaches out to me, anybody who ever wants to just have a conversation, I always have time for, for those stag players. So um, it's, yeah, it's been, I'm really looking forward to getting to meet some of the new guys that I haven't been able to since COVID sort of began. And, um, and yeah, that, that, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. And also kind of brings back a little bit of the throwback, right, of Lessing Field under the lights on a Saturday, league play, really can't beat it, right? Oh, yeah, you can't beat that, you know, play, playing on that grass, you know, with the lights on and, and the people people coming out for the game and, and just the atmosphere that it creates. Uh, it's really unique to, uh, to the conference and to the Northeast, I'd say. Now, I'm curious, how much do you actually get a chance to like catch up on what's going on, uh, whether it is Fairfield men's soccer, just Fairfield athletics in general? I know this has been kind of a crazy last 18 months or so in college sports, but Fairfield men's soccer have been doing a lot of good things over the last couple of seasons this year, kicking off league play shortly as the time of recording. But yeah, definitely a lot of good prospects in there. So I'm curious, have you had a chance at least to keep an eye on what things have been going on, whether it is, again, this year or in the past couple seasons? 
I think, you know, with social media and everything, it's a lot easier to do that than in years prior. Whereas if I had my schedule right now and I didn't have social media, I'd probably have no idea. But because of that um, and, and, you know, the media, the social media team do a really, really good job of keeping the, the followers up to date on things. And, and that's been really, really helpful for me, um, you know, following the baseball team last year when they made that magnificent run, following Fairfield soccer. Uh, men's and women's uh, it's it's just so much fun and I, I remember the joys that I had while I was playing there and the relationships that I built and those things are just so memorable and so life-changing and it's fun to be able to follow along and see people making those lifetime memories uh, that's awesome um, we're gonna get to that a little bit later as well because you talked about kind of that pathway to professional soccer and I want to hit on some of those but um, I would be remiss if we didn't hit on a couple of things at the present right now and uh, as I mentioned at the top New England Revolution absolutely smashing it at the moment at the time of recording 62 points through 28 matches you guys are running away with it in both the East Conference and the Supporter Shield and for those that don't know what the Supporter Shield is that is a uh, title if you will that's given to the MLS team that has the most points at the end of the regular season, kind of like what you see over in England where the champion is crowned at the end of the season. But um, for you guys, how special has this year been? Because it seems like every which way, you know, just things are working for you all, whether it's on the field, getting the results or just kind of little intangibles. Some of the players growing their profile like yourself. It seems like everything is coming together at the right time. Yeah, I think this year has been a, a lot of fun in that sense. And the best part about it is the, the group of players that's that's being able to do it. Um, there's no egos in the locker room. Everyone's really, really close. And, and that creates for an environment which allows for success over a long period of time where you have guys that are friends off the field as well as, you know, teammates on the field. And that allows for people to pick each other up when somebody makes a mistake. You just sort of move on with it. You sort of just keep you just keep going because in MLS it's a league that's built upon competitiveness and every single game is close every single game can be won or lost um, by one decision one play one call and so I think that what this team has done this year is is truly unique and special and that um, we've been able to sort of be on the right side of so many of those decisions and plays and calls and and that just speaks to who we are on and off the field. Yeah, I mean, so you talk about how tight the, the locker room is right now. And you've been with this club now for a few seasons. And I was going to ask what is exactly different about this year's team as opposed to years past. You hit it there. So how close can this is this group? truly and maybe as opposed to some of those years back is that kind of maybe that's just been the missing thing in order to get this organization going the way that it has obviously new england has been historically one of the premier organizations in mls but it's been a long time since we've seen the revolution in that limelight of a supporter shield run a run to an mls cup but you did get to the semi or the finals i should say the eastern conference just a season ago now you're here front runners for the shield so do you think that that's truly kind of that X factor to get you over the line? I would hope so. You know, it's hard to say. We, we don't really, as a team, we haven't set things loft. We, we don't look at things in a lofty way. Um, one of our, another one of our real big strengths is that we just take every game for what it is. And we're just trying to get the most out of every, every one game that we play. And then from there we move on and then we deal with the next game and the next game. And we sort of like, take each game as its own unique challenge. We don't think, 
oh, man, well, we have three games this week. Uh, it would be great if we got six points or seven points. We're like, no, we have a game Saturday. Like, let's win that game. Okay, now we have a game Wednesday. Let's try to win that game. And, and that's been a, a huge, a huge strength of ours for, for the whole season. So, yeah, our, our collectiveness on and off the field is definitely, I think, unique to what I've seen in the past few seasons that I've been here. Um, but, yeah, you know, we, we're, not, we're not the type of guys in the locker room that even really care to be talked about. Um, we're not the ones that love, you know, headlining things. You know, New England's not necessarily the sexiest organization in MLS right now. So, and we're fine with that. We're just going to keep going about our business and enjoying our football. The one thing that has been very noticeable, the fact that Gillette Stadium is an absolute fortress right now. I was looking into it. 11 wins at home this season. and You guys still have a handful of matches at home left to go. Um, I mean, how good must that feel knowing that with the supporters behind your back, knowing how well you're playing at home, and the fact that you might be playing a number of matches at home down the stretch, including the postseason, it has to feel pretty good, right? Knowing that you're you're doing your thing, doing your thing well and getting results, even if it is, you know, facing a good team at home, you know, you got that X factor. Yeah, it's huge for us. And that was one of our biggest goals this year was to make Gillette what we wanted it to be and control games and win games at home. Uh, we know that success in MLS is defined by winning at home and getting points on the road. Um, and we've been able to do both this year, which is why you see that the gap that you see at the top, you know, at, at the, at the current moment. Um, but yeah, for sure. One of our biggest goals this year was to take care of business at home better than we did, especially last year. Um, and then from there, you know, uh, host a playoff game. You know, we weren't thinking at the beginning of the year, Oh yeah. Like supporters year at MLS cup, blah, blah, blah. Like, like I told you, we our goals are not lofty like that. We think, all right, let's start the season strong. Because originally, the beginning of the season was supposed to be like qualifiers for Open Cup. So it was like, all right, let's win. Let's try to do well in the beginning of the season so that you know we can put ourselves in a good place in the standings, qualify for Open Cup. Then they canceled Open Cup, but we had started the season well. So it's kind of just like things like that have been snowballing all season. And uh, yeah, it's made for a really spectacular year. Something that's actually interesting that you brought up, especially because the last two MLS seasons have had different bounces thrown everybody's way. Obviously, last season you play one or two matches, then the pandemic hits, then you have the MLS's back tournament, then trying to figure out how the rest of the season goes. You mentioned this season, and the Open Cup, for people that don't know, is the American version of the FA Cup that you see in England every season. But it does also give you possibilities and like little incentives, right? You're talking about start the season. Well, open cup could be there. Well, isn't there, but at least we still start well. So as a professional athlete, how has it been managing this, these last 18 months, knowing that, as you said before, you can really only just control your controllables and then anything else that comes after that, you just deal with it. It's insane. Honestly, it's been, it's been really, really challenging um in that sense which it's thank goodness our teammates are are close right because we're able to hold each other accountable i don't think you've ever seen really um you know knock on wood obviously but we've done really well managing the virus uh, we have a high like rate of vaccination on our team we have um guys that even who aren't vaccinated you know take the proper precautions you know when being around the team and no one judges anybody whether they are or aren't um, last year, with all our protocols in place, we had um, 
a few players test positive throughout the year, but it never spread amongst the team, you know, and, and that you can only achieve those things by doing the little things right, you know, and, and so those things off the field, you know, transferred on the field. And this is a team that's been tested, you know, in 2019, we had to, we have this pretty much the same core from 2019 as we do right now. And this is a team that needed to win and not drop points uh, for a long time in order to make the playoffs. And we did. And then in 2020, you know, obviously navigating the waters of the pandemic, our best player going down with an injury for most of the season. Just we knew that we had to get into the playoffs so that we could be whole again. And then you saw in the playoffs last year, you know, what this team could really do and making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and, you know, almost making it to MLS Cup was was truly spectacular. And, and we just kept sort of have kept those things rolling. And that's and that's all you can do, right? It's just one thing, one season, one play at a time. And, and that's the stuff that Bruce has been preaching to us. And, and we have a team that's really bought into that. Well, whether it's Bruce Arena kind of managing how the dominoes fall or how things can trickle in a good way, if you can keep things going simple, I mean, that's pretty much a definition of what your last 12 months have been. You talk about getting the revs from the play-in round of the MLS playoffs to the conference finals, getting named as a finalist for MLS Goalie of the Year, making your national team debut, which I'm pretty sure that's got to be the most wildest thing out of all this experience. Yeah. Did you even think three years ago that you would be – not only just playing for the national team, but just being someone that would get called into a camp. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, my uh, funny enough, at the end of 2016, I was spending before my 2017 season, I spent some time in Fairfield training with Javier DeSima and some of the guys on the team. And um, Javier and I went out and got some dinner, a few drinks, and he sort of spilled his soul to me. And he said, uh, I, I really think that, you know, you can be the, starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. And me and former player Jordan Harris sort of uh, laughed at, at Javi and we're like, you're, at, you're off your rocker, basically. And, and, but it sort of like stayed with me. And he was the first person to ever tell me that he believed that I had the potential to do that. And that's, that's sort of when it was on my radar, but I still felt so far from it that it didn't seem possible, you know. But, um, you know, I just set small goals that sort of have helped me in achieving those small goals, achieve bigger goals, and then just sort of tick, check the boxes off and then let the chips fall where they may. I, all I've ever wanted to do is be the best player that I can possibly be. I've never thought like, oh, yeah, I want to be the U.S. number one or I want to be the Revs number one. I just was obsessed with getting better and trying to perfect this craft. Being a goalkeeper is such a funny position, such a unique position in sports that uh, it's unlike anything else. In, in all of sports, I'd say. So that's what, what sort of where my obsession with it began. And then I wanted to get really good at it. And, and so far, so good, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say so as well. I mean, it's whether um, making your debut, getting a clean sheet against Trinidad and Tobago, um, Gold Cup run, which was pretty wild in and of itself, and then starting the last three World Cup qualifiers. So um, we were kind of talking about this before off air um it, it can't be easy to kind of have a chance just to think it, like sit back and think about all this but is there something that just stood out to you out of all this and it's like wow we're, we're really here now aren't we yeah just just the amount of, of fun like i'm just having so much fun uh this year has shown me reminded me you know why i why i'm obsessed why i love this game why i love to play soccer the way it brings people together um you know, it's just so unique 
from a sport, in my opinion, that, uh, yeah, it, it's just been, this year's been a great reminder after a tough year last year, you know, with the, the heat of the pandemic and the lockdown and all that. Um, yeah, it's just been a great reminder for me of why I lo- love to do what I do and, and uh, things getting back to normal. And I, I'm happy to have grown as a person, you know, and that's helped me as a goalkeeper. Yeah. And you actually, you talked about kind of this uh, mantra of just getting better, this obsession almost as a goalkeeper. And you were someone that didn't have a, any real experience at the international level, at the youth stages. So now getting thrown into this, I'm curious, what has been kind of the biggest learning curve uh, at the international stage? Because it wasn't like, you know, you had a number of buildup matches, you had one friendly, and then yeah. you go straight into a continental major tournament and then you build from that going into world cup qualifying which the only thing bigger than that is actually playing in a world cup so what has been some of the biggest learning curve to make yourself kind of keep at this international level i'd say number one is the speed with which these games happen at the intensity with which they happen at um is much higher and you know if you're not ready for that mentally you know you have to think Physically, you know, we're all there for a reason, but mentally you have to turn your brain on to start thinking faster, making decisions faster. And that's probably was the biggest learning curve for me from my first stint with the national team uh, uh, back in the end of 2019, where I didn't play any games, but I was with the national team into January camp 2020, where I had a terrible camp. And I just I really struggled with the speed of play, what they wanted me to do with the ball, um, tactical, you know, understanding of just a lot of things and it was it was very challenging for me to 2020 I really worked on all the things that they told me I needed to work on and uh and so just all of that has been uh has helped me to come out on the other side as like a different player than I was before which is really really uh fun to see uh fun to see all that so it's it's been wow it's just been it's just been insane like I I don't really take the time to think about it too too much because I'm just having too much fun you know Oh, I'd, I'd be the same thing if I was in your shoes right now. I'd yeah. just check all those boxes like, oh, man, that night in uh, San Pedro Sula about like three yeah. weeks ago. And I got to actually ask because you're probably someone that have sat back on your couch and watched a lot of these World Cup qualifiers or Gold Cup matches. You played in some crazy atmospheres. Austin for the uh, Gold Cup semifinal against Qatar, Mexico match. I mean, you have to be at one to truly understand how crazy that is. And then you go to some staples in Central America, in uh, El Salvador and Honduras. So I'm curious for you, what was the craziest atmosphere so far that you've been in on the national team? Yeah, uh, both Honduras and El Salvador were crazy um, in different ways. I would say for me, like the El Salvador was probably a little bit crazier just because the fans are a little closer to you. It was my first it was my first one. You know, it was my first Central American experience. I mean, yeah, we played in Vegas uh, in front of a very pro Mexican crowd in the Gold Cup final. And um, it was loud in there. So it was like an indoor stadium. So it was deafening in there. You know, you couldn't hear anything. But just being in Central America is a totally different story, you know. Um, the bus, you know, the bus is crawling because people are just surrounding it with their phones out. Even the even the army and police officers, like as they're escorting you, they're like turning around and taking pictures of you. It was just it was just crazy. And the noise, I'll never forget the noise when I first came out for warm ups in El Salvador. I'd never heard anything like it. The whistles, the um, the fireworks going off, the things being thrown on the field. It was just like 
wow, we're really here right now, you know, and, and in Honduras, you know, those fans were also really crazy. Um, they were playing instruments. It was very, very loud uh, the whole time. It's tough to communicate. And, and they, uh, the pitch was challenging in that game as well. So it, 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 they come with different challenges. Every country, you know, the fans are all really, really passionate. Um, when they play the U.S., they're really, really big games for their country. And, um, yeah, we, we, it, it was a really big boost for us to get the result that we did in, at San Pedro Sula at the, at, the end of, uh, at the end of the first qualifying window. Yeah, it sets things up pretty nicely for the next couple of World Cup qualifiers that will happen in October. But uh, you mentioned one thing that I kind of wanted to dive back into. Uh, you talked about Javier, uh, who is now the associate head coach at Fairfield Men's Soccer, goalkeeping coach, outstanding goalkeeping coach. And I kind of wanted to bring it back a little bit to – your first couple of seasons when you were with Fairfield, not the sense that, you know, you were the understudy to Michael O'Keefe, an outstanding goalkeeper in his own right, who represented New Zealand at the London Olympics. But when you came in, how much of it was an influence to work with Javier, to work with Michael, and maybe now looking back on it, it's like, well, these guys know what the international standard was like. Did I ask the right questions? Did you like have any kind of thoughts about, hmm, maybe these are the right guys I should pick the brains up a little bit? A hundred percent. And I think that's the first mature decision I ever made in my life. I really was, it was, I had, I, I had, uh, I didn't really have many college offers, but I did get into sort of like my dream school um, academically. And um, it was a tough decision to decide to go to Fairfield instead of, I, I wanted to go to Richmond, University of Richmond. And instead of going there uh, academically, I decided to go to Fairfield because I knew that sports were such a big part of my life. And instead of like going to Richmond and trying to walk onto the team, I had this opportunity to sort of go to Fairfield with a goalkeeper coach who really believed in me and uh, a go- work with a goalkeeper one-on-one because there was no other goalkeepers in the program who had this great um, resume and experience and like, making the decision to go and understanding that I wasn't going to go and be a starter. I, I wanted to go to, to learn really sort of shaped my mindset for the rest of my life. Um, as a professional as well. Uh, I learned so much that year. My natural talent got me to Fairfield. Right. But I never really understood what it meant to be a goalkeeper, uh, for your team, um, what it meant to deal with things mentally, physically, uh, to the loneliness it comes with, all those sorts of things that I never really understood. Uh, for better or for worse, I, I learned a lot of that from Michael, and, and he really helped me shape my mindset um, as a goalkeeper and then as a person, right? Like setting goals. I talked about the goals I was setting. I never learned to set goals until Michael told me to Hey, why don't, what do you want to accomplish while you're here? He asked me that question. I had no idea. And so I took time to sit there and write out a sheet of paper on a Word document. And I printed it out and I stuck it in my locker because he told me I should do that. And I would have never done that on my own merit. And, you know, for a while, guys sort of gave me a hard time about this goal sheet in my locker. And by the end of college, you know, by the end of my four seasons there, guys were sort of like, chomping at the bit to help me tick the boxes, you know? So it was, uh, it was this really interesting way that things happened for me there. And, and the time I got to spend there with Michael in particular was amazing, but not for nothing. 
also the time I was there after Michael was with Joe Martin, who had plenty of experience playing in England in the lower, uh, like in the youth academies. And he's somebody that on and off the field, I was very, very close with. And even to this day, still one of my best friends, like we challenged each other, we pushed each other. We always wanted what was best for each other. And so to go from having sort of this role model to then having uh, a rival who we were just making each other better and better every single day was, was truly uh, unique and awesome. Yeah. And now you kind of bring that full circle a little bit here as you grew from, you know, being one of the youngsters on the team to then being a leader, then going through the professional ranks. Now the national team had a chance now to connect with some of these younger guys that are either, you know, been there for a couple of seasons and still trying to find their way. Maybe, you know, some of the star players that are hoping for that extra little motivation to get them over the line or just the freshman that is kind of like you, um, in a sense, happy to kind of have the experience and are willing to learn. What are some of the things that you might be thinking about to talk to those boys when you see them on Saturday? Yeah, I just I just want to know, you know, how they think about the game. Right. So like talking to John, I want to talk to Johnny, Johnny Philippe and say, I watched his most recent game <clears throat> when they beat Hartford 1-0 at home. And I want to talk to him and say, ask him, hey, what do you think you did well in that game? What do you think that you didn't do so well? What do you need to work on? You know, because he's obviously a talented player. He's got the physical gifts. Um, but does he have the, the fortitude mentally to work on what he needs to work on, to under the self-awareness to understand that he can do things a little bit better? You know, those are the type of things that, professionals do every single day you know so not just after they play games so you know I, I that's those are the kind of things that I want to be able to give back to Fairfield right and and also like I said just provide that tangibility to provide them with a somebody that they can look up to and reach out to and trust that he has their best interest in mind and um, you know hopefully you know for guys that maybe aren't in the team as much understanding that their role is just as important in the, in the success of the team as everybody else. And, uh, you know, doing their role to the best of their ability will make the team the best that it can be because I was one of those players as well. You know, I was one that thought he should have been playing and wasn't, I was one that didn't think he should be playing and wasn't, but how do you manage those things? How do you work on what you need to work on to get onto the field? So, uh, yeah, I would love to just, I, I just love giving back to Fairfield and, and talking to those guys and seeing, uh, the mindset that's going on. Well, for people that are listening right now, I, I wish that you could see the look on Matt's face when he's talking about it, because like the smile that you have and just the energy that you're bringing about this, it it's easy to see why um, people really are looking forward to having you back. And um, I have one more thing that I want to bring up before uh, we let you go. And thanks uh, once again, Matt, for spending yeah. some time out of your very busy schedule to chat with us. But, um, you know, I know for a lot of these players, uh, especially at Fairfield right now, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity to play college soccer, right? But to play professionally is probably what everybody's goal is, but not everybody's journey is it doesn't take a straight path to get there. And I know for you, that was something that was very much the case where you were signed by new England when you completed your four years, but it wasn't a drafted opportunity. You were loaned out um, if you will, to start out your career, to own your craft. And always at this point, have to give a shout out to one of the great iconic clubs in American soccer, <laughs> the Richmond kickers uh, who are doing their thing now in USL uh, league one, I believe yes, uh, they're in the championship right. at that time. But the thing that's really cool now um, is the fact that the lower divisions, it just doesn't have to be MLS. 
USL Championship, USL League One, it is growing massively right now. So, yeah. and for a lot of people like that may not be as familiar, you just look right up the road from us, Hartford Athletic, doing a lot of great things. Similar clubs are coming into their own as well in this area. So how important were those days for you when you were starting out playing at Richmond, getting a chance to play every day, learn how to be a professional player? And kind of the same thing now, telling these players, hey, you don't have to go to Europe to chase a dream. You don't have to think it's just MLS to chase a dream. You can make a living playing second or third tier professional soccer and still have the chance to get to a national team. Yeah, I think. I think the biggest thing is, number one, is you have to love what you do, right? So if you don't love soccer, if you don't love playing every day, if you're not looking forward to practice or looking forward to getting better, it's not the business for you. And I think that that's a really important realization because there's plenty of guys that have been even they've been professionals and it sort of falters out because for whatever reason, they're just not as motivated. Making it was enough. You have to understand what you want to accomplish um, if you, you know, sign that professional contract, because there's plenty of opportunity out there, especially nowadays, and plenty of good opportunity where you can make a living, you can um, start, start, start up your career. And, and those clubs, especially in USL, League One, USL Championship, uh, players are getting looked at. But it's very rare that a player from a Fairfield or any university will go to an MLS team and immediately become an impact starter. Almost never happens, especially with the way MLS is now. So if you get an opportunity with an MLS club or you get an opportunity with the USL championship club, you need to make the most of what they tell you to do. Right. So for me, I was with the revs. I obviously wanted to play for the revs, but they said, this is more important for you. You're, you might be our number two, but we want you to go play games uh, in Richmond. And those are the games that sort of make your career, right? You have to sh- go down there. You have to take them like every game's a, uh, like a world cup qualifier and you have to play to your best of your ability and show that you're willing to learn and improve and work hard. And, and uh, yeah, it, it'll never, those games will never make your career, but they'll, they can break your career. You know, if you don't do well or you don't take it seriously. So all I'd say is no matter what you think, you know, leave it at the door and whoever's in charge, whoever's your coach, you know, you sort of have to be true to yourself, but you need to listen to what they want from you. And, um, and, you know, try to get better that way. Prove to them you're willing to learn, uh, you're easy to coach, and you're the type of player that they want to have around. Definitely. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome, man. I, uh, I think we covered a lot here. I think a lot of yeah. people, whether they're current athletes, whether that Fairfield or any other program, or looking forward maybe perhaps to come into Fairfield one day, I think they have learned a lot from this. Nice little opportunity to take a deep dive into your career. And I speak for all of us here at Fairfield Athletics that we're really looking forward to seeing you back on campus on Saturday, October 2nd. Thank you. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Absolutely. And again, to get your tickets for Matt Turner night on Saturday, October 2nd, when Fairfield men's soccer takes on Niagara at 7 p.m. at Lessing Field, visit fairfieldstags.com slash T-I-X. So that's going to do it for us for this Stag Sports Network podcast special. Thanks for listening in. Make sure to keep up on all the things happening at Fairfield Athletics by going to fairfieldstags.com and follow us on our social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram at Fairfield Stags. I'm JJ Duke signing off. We'll talk to you all soon. And until then, go Stags. Thank you for listening to the Stag Sports Network podcast. For past and future podcasts, visit fairfieldstags.com.